Welcome to Southern Fried Fantasy, a podcast for readers and writers, where Southern authors talk about books set in the region they call home. Book lovers beware, your TBR pile is about to get taller than high cotton. All right. Welcome back to another episode of Southern Fried Fantasy. I'm your host, Bob Magoo of Tales by Bob. And this week, I'm super excited to have on Amy Gibbons. Uh, So, Amy, if you would, how about start off, just tell us a little bit about yourself and kind of what ties you to the South. All right. Hey, y'all. My name is Amy Gibbons. Like you said, Uh, I am originally from Utah born and raised. And before you ask, no, not Mormon. (laughs) I originally came to the South for law school. So that's actually my day job is lawyer. And I am going to try to stay away from anything legalese because anything I say cannot be taken as legal advice. My usual (laughs) disclaimer, I am not your lawyer. Yeah. That being said, I might end up saying some things that are legal here because it's (laughs) my head. So that's my day job. I came to Nashville for Vanderbilt School of Law, did that, had to take a break from writing because law school is hard. I I, really, really hard. Nobody could convey that to me. Uh, I didn't pick up writing again until a little bit after I graduated because my brain was just fried and started writing again, started actually getting books out and published. And I when I first came to visit Vandy on Admitted Students Day to see if I wanted to go to their law school, I loved Nashville. I loved the South. I love. Oh, that's fantastic! I used yeah. to roadie for a band uh, that's based out of Nashville, so I've, I've been there quite a few times. Oh, all right. So, uh, well, let's just touch on that. Well, first, how about let's take a moment? Why don't you tell us about your books so we kind of know what we're what we're working with here? Okay, my general genre, big umbrella uh, general, is urban fantasy. So that's magic in the modern world. Most of my series are set in the South, just because I <laughs> the ones that are actually readable and not beginner's books are the ones that I wrote after I got here. So mm-hmm. they're more, they're based in uh, Nashville or Chattanooga or Alabama, something like that. And the main series I have is the Psychic series, otherwise known as the SDF series. It is a psychic uh, who works for the FBI in their paranormal division. The psychic is young, perky. Basically, when I wrote her, I was going for like blonde cheerleader that kind of bugged me and it made her (laughs) likable. Yeah. Kind of like the opposite of me. And those are the paranormal mystery romance ones. So those are the fluffy girly ones where you have mysteries and there's vampire romance, there's steamy sex scenes. That's that series. Then I have my Scorpion series, which is my my secondary one. The first book of which just came out when this was being recorded. By the time this goes up, I'll probably have the first three out because I'm releasing one a month. Nice. The Scorpion series is... Uh, horror thriller urban fantasy Mm. not light not fluffy Uh, I'd still say somewhat girly it's the two main characters you got a female and a male so you get some of that girly in there you get 
what people consider like girly emotions. And then you've got your, you know, strong Southern male as the main um, guy. And those ones are, if you've ever seen The Conjuring, it's like that. Demon, like Catholics are right. Demons walk the earth. <laughs> and they are trying to corrupt humanity. And so the first book is the demons going after the main character, Sarah, who doesn't know if she's just losing it because she's severely depressed uh, or if there's actually like magic and supernatural out there and somebody's trying to get her. Yeah. And her friend Bo is... Georgia, Southern gentleman, very Catholic, and like knows right away the signs of a demon circling somebody trying to um, weaken them so they can possess them. So he's trying to protect her and save her from that when she thinks he's going nuts too because demons aren't real. So I got a lot of the uh, Southern gentleman. I like that type of man. So I got a lot of that in there for this very honorable character i like it i like it uh, i also like you know uh, i feel like there's a lot of cities in the south that are just super cool that don't get the <laughs> the love that they deserve and i love to hear the fact that you use chattanooga because i love chattanooga that that place is great um yeah, me, me too i've got a lot of friends in chattanooga uh we also there's a writer's uh sci-fi fantasy convention every year it's actually next week for me um is that, uh, is called, that a con nuga uh no liberty con oh liberty con yeah 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 um yeah. i know a few people that are going to that uh joel uh presby is uh an author that i'm uh, familiar with that that's going to be there and she's been she's been hyping it up hard um <laughs> for for months now so very cool yeah. I, it, I i'd love i'd love to make it up there for that uh, i love i love all things con related so uh hopefully hopefully in a year or two i'll be able to make it to that one uh buy your tickets like the second they go online because they sold out like that it's a small con it's a thousand people tops and that's that's it yeah i love it Um, i i I appreciate when you know there i i have been familiar enough with the the kind of the con circuit uh in in the region and you know everyone wants to be dragon con and uh, a lot of a lot of people, uh, they get too big for their boots and then collapse. Um, so I appreciate a con that's like, no, we're we're keeping it small. We're we're going to a thousand tops. Perfect. I, I love I love the idea of that. So I wish more people would kind of take that to heart. Yeah, me too. And I so I'm an author. I've been in the South for twelve years. This is my home. I've never been to Dragon Con because it is that's just too many people for me. That ain't happening. Yeah. <laughs> that that's very fair uh it's uh I, I will say it is my favorite weekend of the year but yes it is uh it is a lot of people um i know well, last I- year <laughs> last year they uh they capped attendance you know so it was it was half of the normal attendance but it's still like forty five thousand people yeah, big, uh, especially something like that where it's like big crowds and people are crammed in and going like down hallways and stuff freak me out. I'm really short. I'm five foot nothing. So when I'm in a crowd, people don't just close in around my size. They close in around my head. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, no, I, can, I don't I, like yeah that, that would definitely be overwhelming. I, I can definitely see. I'm, I'm fortunate. Uh, like I'm I'm six one. So and oh, fat, wow. very, and, and portly. So oh. uh, <laughs> and big beard, yada, yada, yada. I'm 
I'm not a scary looking guy, but I, I'm big enough that crowds tend <laughs> tend to not uh, try to crush me. So um, yeah, <laughs> I, I, I definitely get that concern because um, it it is it can be, and you know even me, you know there are times there like on the sky bridges where it's like you just feel like you're cattle in a cattle car. You know, uh, you have to expect everyone to start moving. Um, so okay. uh, when you go to Dragon Con in September, please just do that once. Just yeah. start moving to see who joins you. Yeah, I, I bet you. I bet you. I bet you it'll get somewhere. People. Uh, people love to participate. <laughs> uh, so, uh, but I'm also uh, Chattanooga has Con Nuga, and I was actually just uh, uh, looking. They haven't opened up uh for next year's uh like panels and vendors yet but i was thinking about applying because like i said i do i do love chattanooga and uh i i had a i had family that lived in middle tennessee and every summer we would go visit them and we'd always stop in chattanooga we'd go to the aquarium we'd always Mm -hmm. go to lookout mountain um like I, i just love the place so um definitely if you want to see you know a lot of the books that are set in, you know, the South, it's, it's new Orleans, it's uh, Atlanta, it's Savannah. Um, and then uh, a, a decent number in Nashville. Um, but uh, so it's cool. If you want to see maybe another side of Tennessee, uh, check out, check out your books so we can see Chattanooga in the, in, in, in the print. Yeah. yeah so, um, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, yeah, Chattanooga's it. It's bigger than it seems. So it seems like a very small city and then you just realize how much stuff is there and how much there is to do. And it has a lot of history to it that you can, uh, especially if you write supernatural stuff, you can incorporate into your books. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, it's fantastic. Uh, Definitely. If, uh, if you're in the area, I highly recommend you go the, just the view from lookout mountain is, (laughs) I mean, you can, from there, you can like, you can basically see like, almost to Atlanta, I think like it's crazy. Um, so, all right. So what was, so as as a transplant, uh, to the region, uh, what was something that like, what was an element of Southern culture that really struck you that you, when you were writing these books, you like, you know what, I want to, I want to put these in my books. I want to showcase this element and kind of, how did you go about doing that? Mostly the general personality of people is, the stereotypical Southern hospitality. Mm-hmm. My mom and I came to visit um, and we're, you know, driving around and stuff. We're looking around uh, the park in Nashville. We had just random people chatting with us, asking us where we were from, what we were doing. And everybody was so nice. So uh-huh. after our first day, we're just going, everybody's so nice here. I like, they're so friendly. They just start talking to you. I don't get it. (laughs) (laughs) So I wanted to have that. um, So in my psychic books, my main character, Ariana Ryder is a psychic who is originally from North Alabama, moved Mm. to Nashville to go to Vandy for undergrad. And she is my quintessential Southern girl. She is very sweet. She's kind. You piss her off. She gets real feisty and the accent comes out stronger. (laughs) And so she stands up for what she believes in and, but she is all about, you know, it is mint juleps, big hats, kind words. Oh, bless your hearts. And if you piss her off, she's got a gun. Yeah. (laughs) I've, I've, I've known a few people like that. (laughs) Um, uh, Where did you have any place specific 
in uh, North Alabama where she was from or Huntsville. Huntsville. Okay. Yeah. Um, I find that Huntsville is very similar to Chattanooga in a lot of ways. I, I joke, I'm from Alabama. So oh, um, okay. I, I, I joke that uh, Huntsville doesn't know it's in Alabama. <laughs> oh, I <laughs> can see that. It's great. I love it. Um, <laughs> so, but yeah, no, and the whole, uh, you know, the accent comes out when you're angry. That's me. Like I, I don't have a, uh, compared to most of the people in my life, I don't have a strong Southern accent, but the angrier I get, the slower I talk, my drawl just really comes out. Um, and so yeah. I, I feel that on a personal, <laughs> on a personal level. Um, so, uh, my friend Jen was, uh, born and raised in Chattanooga. Mm-hmm. And even though she has a German mother, so she, you know, her mom has a very strong German accent. She grew up speaking English and German. You would think when she got pissed off, the German would come out because it's scarier. Yeah. No, I have <laughs> never heard her sound so Southern as the day of her wedding when people, it's like, we just need to get this done. Yeah. I don't care how you do it. Cause you know what happens days of weddings. Like you just have to get shit done. Yeah. Um, and she, I had never heard her sound so Southern as when yeah. she was just telling people stop bugging me on little details, just get shit done. I have to go get ready. <laughs> and I was trying so hard not to laugh because the Southern came out so strong. Oh yeah. No, I, I, Oh God, I get, I'm actually uh, in the process of uh, we're early planning stages of, of, of our wedding. And uh, so I, I feel, I feel, I feel the pressure already. <laughs> and We're just a few weeks into the process. So yeah, I, I can, I can fully imagine uh, how that goes. And yeah, that it is, it's hard uh, sometimes because uh, my dad was kind of the same way. He didn't have a super pronounced accent, but me and him, you know, we'd tie off into each other and it like, it's like someone was playing a conversation at like half speed, <laughs> but, oh. but double volume. <laughs> yeah. So. Uh, so the other um, side of that is of course, Bo in the Scorpion series, he's Southern gentleman. He does have a strong accent. He hmm. pours it on when he's starting to get annoyed or sarcastic, that's when it gets uh, thicker for him. Yeah. Especially if you're like, oh, it's a slow talking Southern man. Uh, we're going to treat him like he's an idiot. Like he will pour it on. And <laughs> at least it, obviously I'm the writer. So I'm biased. You can feel the sarcasm. Yeah. Cause I have that voice in my head and I love it. Yeah. Cause I've seen people do that where they're, they're treated like, oh, well you're Southern. So you're stupid. So they just like play it up. Well, it's definitely that that cliche, you know, that, yeah. that cliche that we, we talk slow because we're not smart and uh, it's not the case. <laughs> no. Uh, uh, so you were uh, you're talking about how uh, that uh, she, you know, from North Alabama, but comes to Nashville to go to Vanderbilt. So I like to ask where do you get your ideas from? And it's such a cliche question. So what I don't necessarily want to know, like where you're getting individual ideas. What I, what I'm interested in is do you draw heavily on your own life or do you try and keep a clear separation there? And just hearing that, you know, they became a Vanderbilt undergrad. It seems that maybe you do draw from your own life a little bit. I I definitely do. I, Try not to draw too much on me for the characters because I want them to be their their own beings. Mm-hmm. But obviously, every character is going to have a little bit of you in them. Yeah. But for the situations, 
basically when I started making up stories long before I even started writing, I would just be bored in school and make up stories in my head. They would always be, you know, average normal day in school and then something fantastic happens. And it usually was something with magic because that's what I like to read. Yeah. That's where I did started piling up. So a lot of times, by the time I started writing stuff down, a lot of the types of stories are from situations that I was in that I was like, okay, now how do we make this boring thing exciting? Yeah. Or how to, or, you know, here's this case. What if it was something supernatural? If I'm, you know, seeing a case on the news or on a TV show uh, for, you know, a TV show that's like police procedural crime fiction, what if that was supernatural? Yeah. That's where I got a lot of stuff for the psychic series. Um, like I said, for the for the character's personality, I basically I made her up when I was still in college before I came to Vandy. The mm-hmm. books got rewritten and everything after law school. But I wanted her to be the opposite of me. So she was in high school, she was a perky blonde cheerleader. And she was in a sorority in college and she was just always optimistic. So <laughs> I wanted to, I wanted to bring out that extremely bubbly perky. And for some reason, um, Southern came from that yeah. uh, this before I was even in the South, but I wanted her to have that personality, but the situations she gets in are a lot of times based in just something in everyday life, something I've read, something I've seen, Something happened to me. And then, well, what if we added magic and just like made this really, really screwed up? (laughs) And then uh, emotionally, a lot of the characters' backstories, if they have like the emotional issues, those are mine. Mm. So the Scorpion series, the main character is back home after college. Uh, Basically, her college plans are just completely ruined because she was planning on going to D.C., with her boyfriend, he was going to law school. She had an internship. He broke up with her after like four years together throughout college, broke up with her pretty much out of the blue. And she didn't know what to do because she couldn't, she was like, I can't go to DC and just like live on an intern salary and I'm brokenhearted, so I'm going home. So yeah. the book starts out with her severely depressed because of that. And she's going, I have no clue what to do with my future. <laughs> that came from my own breakup because I was in a serious relationship for six years that felt very, very solid. And basically he just kind of decided he wasn't feeling it. That, that hit me. And that's where a lot of the beginning of Scorpions came from is again, I say I get ideas from my life. Well, if demons were real and this was something like the conjuring, (laughs) I'd be the perfect person for a demon to target right now because I'm severely depressed. Yeah, no, I, I, I started. And did, did that, was that, was that healing for you? Did yes. that kind of allowed you to kind of work through some, some things? Yes, it really does. Which is why even if somebody isn't a writer per se, I recommend and therapists do too recommend that they write down. It's called journaling. When they're going through something, just write down whatever comes to you, what you're feeling, make it into a scenario, write down just random words, whatever, but it helps you work through it. Oh yeah. Uh, I had a, when I, I was uh, tailing to grad school, I got into therapy and uh, my therapist pretty quickly realized that she got much better responses. If she would ask me a question, let me go home, 
and write it, like write the answer. And then, uh, you know, we definitely had our, our discussions in there, but like she'd always try to end like, all right, so here's something I want you to think about. Question, answer it, bring it back, you know, and we'll discuss it. And uh, that definitely helped me. Like I was able to really dig deeper into some of these issues because, you know, the, going kind of like on the cliche cliche of the the Southern gentleman, you know, like okay. we're uh, growing up as a guy in the South, we're very, uh, very much indoctrinated um, as to what the appropriate emotions are, you know, and, and anger, anger counts, you know, I feel like hunger is a, is an appropriate uh, emotion for a guy. Um, yeah. But beyond that, you know, it, they really uh, there's a, a strong push to kind of clamp down on that. And so being able to open up and conversation, like I had at that point, you know, 20 plus years of, uh, you know, indoctrination of, we don't talk about things like this, you know, you're supposed to just yeah. have a sip of whiskey and tough it out. And so being able to write it out really helped me kind of unlock how to have these conversations, you know? I, I can completely see that. I was, so obviously I'm not a boy. Uh, mm. I was raised very logical. I like to joke that I'm my dad's brain in my mom's body. <laughs> uh, very logical, good at math, good at science. I, I hate to say this about myself. This is not me bashing myself. When I came to law school, I had, let's say, the emotional maturity of about a 12-year-old. I didn't mm. know how to deal with emotions or problems. I had to learn because I never did in high school because, oh, well, emotions are like those messy things for other people. I'm logical. I don't have emotions. Yeah. And I found out that I did. So I had to work through that. And a lot of my experience when I talk to people more in depth sounds like a lot of guys because they're taught you're not supposed to, it, it, the very least, you're not supposed to show these emotions. A lot of them have it ingrained that they're not supposed to feel those emotions. Yeah. Yeah, no, it, it's ve that's very much the case. And I'm sure that's probably, uh, well, I know it's not just a Southern thing, um, but it, it is what I think makes it a little bit different here is it, it there is the ideal in a lot of, uh, a lot of ways, like the, the ideal Southern man, because there, there is, you know, uh, for better or worse, so much of a large swaths of the South of like hero worship that like antebellum Southern gentleman, you know, and what, what his values are and things like that. And, you know, Rhett Butler, you know, would, would Rhett Butler have a long tearful conversation about feeling depressed? Of course not. He would, you know, he would, you know, tough it out. And, and so there is that, you know, I, I feel like it's not necessarily worse, but there is a added, like cultural element to it here in the South of like, it's not just that you're not a man, it's you're not a Southern man, you know? Yeah. And it, it, it can be heavy, you know, it can be, uh, it can be hard to undo. I mean, it, I, I firmly attribute that a, a large degree to why uh, my first marriage failed, you know, was it was uh, being unable to communicate uh, in emotional language, I guess you could say, uh, Mm -hmm. And it, you know, you, you have to be able to talk about these things. So, and, and for people out there, like that may be struggling with this, uh, writing is so good. Uh, Cause I, I know a lot of the pressure when you're having a conversation is, oh, well, 
I don't want to say the wrong thing in front of this person, but if you, if you can take the time to sit down and write it out, you can write it and rewrite it till you're happy with it. till you've kind of unlocked what you need to unlock from it. And so I, I writing is a fantastic therapeutic tool. Uh, even if you don't necessarily need therapy with spoiler, I think everyone needs therapy. Uh, I was about to say that. Yeah. <laughs> um, so just take some time and just really, you know, if something's bothering you, maybe just sit down and kind of write, write through it to uh, maybe try and, uh, maybe find some new mechanism to deal with it. Um, so uh, uh, and going back to the discussion about like how you, uh, how you draw on like real life anecdotes, that's something that I'm really kind of wrangling with right now. So my, my main character is a, uh, is a meth addict uh, and a oh, thief wow. and uh, just a really just like, he's kind of a, at his deep down in his core, he's a good person. But uh, I mean, he makes his living stealing AC out of other people's air conditioning vents. So uh, I like to think I'm a very different person from him. But so, so many of the uh, little anecdotes that I work into the books are from my own life. And uh, I've even started uh, recently on my Patreon, I've started a series where I'm kind of using him as somewhat of a mouthpiece to kind of get some of my views down on paper. And, uh, one of those views is I, d- I really don't like armadillos. Like, I know that's a weird thing, to, <laughs> a, a weird hill to die on. Um, it is. But, but I don't like armadillos. They carry leprosy. They, uh, oh. they, they jump. If they get startled, they jump. So okay, a small percent carry leprosy. Small yes. percent. Hey, but that's a, that's a large enough percent that I'm uh, not going to okay. go pick up an armadillo. Uh, and so uh, I realize your odds of getting leprosy from an armadillo <laughs> are virtually non-existent, but still, I don't know. I, I have a thing about armadillos, but when I was, okay. uh, when I was like eight years old, we went to the red level armadillo roundup and uh, it's down in the general vicinity of op where op has their rattlesnake rodeo every year. And it's very successful. Okay, that's, that's rattlesnake rodeo. Yeah. It, oh, they have, they'll have thousands of rattlesnakes there. It's crazy. Like That's- if you, if, if you're in the area that time of year, it's terrifying and amazing um, all in the same breath. And I think red level was jealous. They're like, you know what? They've got the armor. They've got the rattlesnake rodeo. Well, we're going to do the armadillo roundup. And we went and they had uh, three armadillos and it was the most pitiful uh, festival you've ever seen in your life. Uh but it was it was so tragic that I just had to. It's like there's no occurrence that's going to really be relevant in one of my books. But I just really want to share this with people. <laughs> you know, I want to share the travesty that is the armadillo roundup. And uh, but you know, I'm writing it from Marsh's perspective. And and as I write these series of, uh, I'm calling them the Marsh Dispatches because that's his, his name. And, um, mm-hmm. uh, I, I'm working in so many anecdotes from my life, but it's also told through the lens of. This guy's a drug addict. He's a thief. He's he's perhaps not the best person. And I my worry is that people are going to figure out what I'm doing, that I'm working in all these anecdotes from my own life to just in the form of these stories. And I worry uh, that they're not going to know where to draw the line on what what's me <laughs> and what's Marsh. Like, yes, okay. Oh, I bet you Bob went to an armadillo roundup. That's what I want them to think. I don't want them to also think, you know what? I bet you he also stole some a- some copper wire out of an AC unit at some point, which I haven't to be very, very clear, but it, it's, it's, it's sometimes hard to know where to draw that line, you know? <laughs> and I 
I take that line and I play hopscotch with it. There yeah. are things that are very much like this is, I will take conversations from real life and they <laughs> will be in a book and it'll be almost word for word because it fits the situation. And then I'll have something else completely different. And I will have people be like, oh, okay. So that happened to you like this. And I was like, no, that's, that's <laughs> fiction. But the conversation that led to it was real. Yes. And then I made up what would happen afterwards. Yeah, I like to say I played hopscotch with that line. Um, if people people think things about me, it's just kind of like, eh, I'm a writer. I'm crazy anyway. Right. Has it has it ever gotten you into trouble? Like, has uh, maybe one of your friends read something uh, in one of your books and thought that you were talking about them, but weren't? Maybe it hasn't gotten me into trouble yet, yeah. <laughs> but I'm trying to figure out how to phrase this in a lawyerly fashion. Uh, all characters are complete works of fiction and not based on anybody in real life. That being said, there are some that are heavily influenced by them. Yeah. And that's also, that's a completely different discussion, legal mm. discussion on you want to make sure that you're somebody who knows both of you could read that book and might be able to say, gee, this sounds like this person is based on this person. You don't want them to walk down the street and have people be like, Oh, you're this person. This this character was based obviously based on you because you knew Amy Gibbons. Yeah. You don't want that because you can and will get into trouble. Uh, but I will base characters on people I know. Um, mm -hmm. I have a character based on I have a backstory based on my ex, like I just said. He's never actually in the books, but very, very heavily influences the main character, especially in the first book. And it's very anybody who knows us knows who I'm talking about. Yeah. But okay. it's not, you know, calling him out or spilling secrets or anything like that. Um, I do have a characters based on people from like my political groups. Mm -hmm. And the character of Bo is based on a friend of mine that, and I asked him if it was okay to base a character on him. Just, just to yeah. make sure I had my uh, bases covered. <laughs> yeah. So I do do that. I have not gotten into trouble yet. I try to not get into trouble, but <laughs> there's the always that possibility. <laughs> yeah. Uh, kind of building on that. So have have you considered writing a like urban fantasy paranormal legal series, maybe about a lawyer or or such? Yeah, actually, my first book that I published is called The Ghost Defense. It was supposed to be the first in the Laws of Magic series. I got Ooh. kind of stuck on the second book. Mm -hmm. But the Ghost Defense is a prosecutor in, in Nashville who uh, basically in that world, the gods came back after about 5,000 years and brought magic back into the world. So ah. it's the modern day and people are trying to figure out how to deal with magic on all levels, including legal. Yeah. So with her, she's got an assault case that she's prosecuting and the defendant is claiming what they call the God's defense. A God made him do it. And oh. so that's, that's what leads her into that. And so it is, it is a lawyer. It is based in legality, but it's very much urban fantasy, like goes on an adventure and like into the God's world, trying to figure out what's going on and stuff. Yeah. So I've not written, I've not written anything that would fall under a legal thriller. Mm -hmm. Those are close but there's it's more of like lawyer just happens to be the job yeah and there's some legal elements to it i haven't managed to write anything that is like actually like this uh 
like Grisham. Yeah. Well, and I gotta honestly, well, it's just not that interesting to me. It's like, I do this for <laughs> my day job. Right. I don't it afterwards. Yeah. Well, I, it's one thing I really appreciate about the urban fantasy genre is um, taking jobs. Like, you know, you see Buffy the Vampire uh, Slayer, you know, that's, you know, young woman going around killing vampires. Um, mm-hmm. And that's kind of the trope. But like, one thing I really love is when urban fantasy takes like, you know what? I'm a, I'm, I work in animal control and now I'm caught up in the supernatural or, Oh, I'm a EMT, but now I'm suddenly caught up in the supernatural and seeing these everyday jobs, you know, taken to 11 with the introduction of vampires and fairies and what have you. Like, I just really, I I really love when that occurs. Um, So. uh, Yeah, me, me too. I don't. So uh, most of my characters are young. They're in their twenties. Some of them are getting a little bit older, so they're like early 30s. Because mm-hmm. basically that's when I wrote most of these was like late 20s, early 30s. Yeah. Um, but I don't like the don't get me wrong, I like to read them. I don't mm-hmm. want to write young adult. I don't want characters yeah. who are in high school or college whose main job is to be in school. Yeah. I want characters who have real jobs, they have real bills that they have to pay, they have mortgages or they have rent. They have to deal with the real world, no matter what the supernatural is throwing at them. <laughs> yeah. So it doesn't matter if a slime demon just dissolved your roof. If you don't have homeowner's insurance, uh, <laughs> you, still, you still have to deal with the, the destroyed roof. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I, it, I agree there, definitely. It's, uh, and, you know, kudos to anyone who can do that. Um, and it's just, I, I just struggle with, I, I don't want to get back into the mindset that I had in high school, you know, mm. <laughs> like I cringe when I think of, <laughs> of, uh, trench coat wearing Bob, you know, in this rural, uh, Alabama high school, like it, it it's real cringy <laughs> and oh. I, I don't, I don't necessarily want to go back. <laughs> go back to that and getting in that mindset it's much easier to write uh you know folks that are dealing with the issues that i'm dealing with um which is being broke (laughs) yeah you're you're an adult you have uh, so that's something else i like to touch on in my books is that we're we're adults we are not we are most of the people reading these are going to be adults especially the psychic series that is not for under 18 i'm not even kidding your parents will be pissed at me (laughs) Um, but it's, you have real world to deal with. You have to clean your house. You have to take care of your pets. You have to pay your bills on time. This is the stuff that about being an adult, you have to be to your job on time. If you're not, Mm -hmm. you better have a good reason. Like this is the, I like having that real world anchoring down the supernatural because it makes it feel that much more real. And I also like for people to read that and be like, oh my God. I'm like that. Yeah. I'm the person who like always pays my electric bill. Like on the la- the day that it's due. Cause that's the day I get paid. Mm-hmm. I'm the person who like would forget to check if my house had flooding insurance and might be screwed because a tidal wave from magic came through it. Like now I'm going to hurry, go check and see if my insurance covers flooding. Cause I thought they did. I want yeah. people to be able to relate to it. Yeah. No, and I, I think that's one of the real draws for urban fantasy. It's it's escapism, mm-hmm. 
but it's a more right. I guess you call it a more grounded escapism, like a more a yeah. more believable escapism. It's something that you could read and you go, this could happen in this reality. Like, yeah, this this might be real. And I could just be one of the people that don't know about magic. Yeah. Yeah. So um, before we kind of shift more into the craft side of things, um, I just want to know, is there anything supernatural from Southern folklore that you have managed to work into your novels? Not off the top of my head, no. Mm-hmm. I have some plans for the future, especially um, after we we went to Chattanooga for a visit and we did the Chattanooga Ghost Tour. Ooh. And so we got a, like, a lot of information on the cemetery near the university there and how Confederate soldiers had been buried and then basically they were moved. And then they were saying that the cemetery was haunted because you disturbed the graves of these war hero heroes, basically treating them like crap because they were for the Confederacy and the ghosts were kind of pissed. And so I'm like, I'm going to take that and put it in a book. It may not be the next Scorpions book, but it is going to be in there. Yeah. Um, Like like those type of stories. Um, Another one in Chattanooga that I know I have to touch on eventually is the Reed house. That one's like famous haunted hotel. Mm Mm-hmm. So I'm going, I've got to put that in somewhere because if there's one place and people are going to know in Chattanooga, it's going to be the Reed House. Yeah. Um, I have incorporated in Ruby Falls. That's in the second Scorpions book. Mm -hmm. I had to get a little bit creative with the size of it to make it fit what worked in my book. So in that reality, Ruby Falls is bigger. Just just accept that and move on. (laughs) Um, (laughs) But I I, I want to take more of that Southern stuff, especially the hauntings. and things like that and yeah. incorporate it into the scorpion series specifically because that yeah. one those fit horror better well let me let me give you my my experience with a uh, southern confederate ghost um, oh okay so when i was young my aunt uh repeatedly told us that uh the property that i lived on was haunted by the ghost of a confederate drummer boy who had wandered into the swamp <laughs> and died and so you know heard this many times growing up cut pan i uh am somewhere uh 12 11 12 ish maybe and uh we had uh recently adopted my younger brother and sister and because of that i was changing bedrooms and i shifted into a bedroom that was on the back side of the house staying here for the for the first few few nights and i hear a drummer off <laughs> in the distance i hear <laughs> just the, like the tap 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 and i am convinced that uh you know i'm here because i'm now on the back side of the house it's closer to the woods i'm hearing this confederate drummer boy i was convinced i knew it i was like oh my god this is it i'm finally getting confirmation of ghosts they're real um turns out uh the shower dripped and the shower the back of the shower abutted my closet and the sound of the dripping echoing kind of through the wall through the closet sounded like distant drumming and it it took me a good two about two weeks to figure that out but for two weeks i had the ghost of a confederate drummer boy roaming in my backyard so there you go (laughs) okay so that does make me think of something Uh, another It ties into the where you get your ideas question. Uh, I I hate bugs. 
I hate them. I want them all to die. And in my mind, spiders are bugs. Yes, I know yeah. that's technically incorrect. I don't care. They're bugs. They need yeah. to die. I, so I, I don't like creepy crawlies. Some of them I'm more scared of. Some of them I'm just like, ooh, you're disgusting. You must die. Uh, at my place in Donaldson, which is a neighborhood in Nashville before I bought my house, uh, it was an older place, then renovated. They had one of those older tubs that were basically set into the wall and then caulked. Mm -hmm. So it wasn't mm -hmm. like built a built-in plastic thing like newer places. Yeah. Uh, ants kept getting in through the through the cracks into the caulking and stuff. Like the ants had to completely overrun the yard. It was horrible. So I'd get in the shower and there'd be ants just like lining the corners. So I started having nightmares about ants attacking me in the shower. That became a scene in uh, the Scorpions of the Deep. Ugh. And because it was just like, it, that freaked me out so bad. Cause yeah. it's like one ant is not scary. When you've got a hundred of them lined <laughs> up on the side of your shower and start crawling around and like, Oh, look, I'm going to check out this person's like, <laughs> yeah, no, I, I had, the ants. I had that exact experience though. I lived with a girl for a couple of yeah. years and her house had that exact same kind of tub set up <laughs> and we had the same problem. We had ants, ants that like virtually word for word, but you just explained, um, yeah. So I can, I can 100% relate to that. And it's not great. <laughs> no, they're, um, they're like, they, they, they're creepy. They don't scare me. Different, <laughs> different things scare me. I'm not a huge fan of spiders. Those will scare me more kind of depends on the situation. And if they surprise me, mm -hmm. um, I hate anything that flies and stings. So yeah. wasps, even though bumblebees are like cute and they're just doing their thing, they still freak me out. I just try yeah. to, you know, let them do their thing. Yeah, yeah, no, I, 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 I'm with you there. Red wasps, fire ants, all that. Oh my god, I hate yeah, those. Hell with them. <laughs> oh man, number one thing that I first hated about the South, I don't even have to think about it, is those freaking red wasps. Yeah, because I'd be not... sitting outside at Starbucks studying, and you know, you've got your coffee, you've got your pastry, whatever. You're buried in whatever books. Mine were law books. And then you just keep getting dive bombed by these evil red things that yeah. look like they want to kill you. They're not just doing their thing. They are attacking you for yeah. the fun of it. I yeah. hate them. No, they, they're, okay. they're, they're evil. I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> they're evil. I'm done. Yeah. <laughs> um, all right. So let's kind of dive in. Uh, I'd like the kind of the first half of the podcast is geared more towards the readers of your books and the back half. We kind of, I like to gear it more towards um uh, people who want to join the ranks of, of authordom. So what is kind of your writing process? Are you more of a plotter? Are you more of a, a pantser? Uh, how, how does it kind of work for you? I am some sort of weird mixed creature. I will plot out generally what I want the book to be, mm -hmm. not necessarily what I want to happen, uh, but I will plot out like, um, so I'm just going to take the latest psychic book as an example, because that's the one I finished most recently. It's psychic mm -hmm. noir. It's eighth in the series. I want it to be the characters going into this little pocket reality to rescue one of their people who had been stuck there for four years. That's what the book is generally about. And then I go, okay, so I'm going to hit these points. They're going to start out like this. This is going to have to happen to get them into the alternate reality. I want it to be kind of like this. So it's going to be sort of like a noir dystopian feel. Mm -hmm. And it's going to end like with this and this. Some That's generally how I start. Sometimes yeah. I just start writing. Sometimes I plot it out more 
more specifically. This one I tried to plot out more specifically. Okay, it's going to be this, 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 and this. Every time I've done that, I go off the rails. I don't follow the plot. <laughs> I feel you. I feel you there. Um, how would how long would you say it typically takes you to uh, write a book? That is a very difficult question for me to answer. I am. Ooh. I don't know any specific terms. This is me making up terms. I'm a I'm a burst writer. Uh-huh. I will not write anything for six months, and then I will be like, "Oh crap! I need to get this book out, and I'll write it in four weeks." Yeah, I feel I'm that. Trying to break myself of that and write more consistently, so I'm not completely insane for four weeks. Um, not not so successful at that so far. Like Psychic yeah. Noir, it was like I need to get this book done. I started it, and I was writing every day and getting a little bit done and plotting, and life happened. Um, one of my cats died. Mm-hmm. I was very upset. Yeah. And so I just like writing kind of died with that for yeah. a while. And then I went, Oh crap, I have to get this book out. It is supposed to be out in March. It came out in May because I, because I, it wasn't coming out in March. Um, yeah. And so I just went, Oh, I have to have this book out, gave myself a deadline and killed myself to meet it. Yeah. I was busting my butt like day job and then sit down and write weekends, write, and I'm not going to say that's a good way to do it. I, I recommend anybody listening to this, don't write like that. <laughs> like set a time during the day where you write for like an hour or two or you do it on the weekends. Don't try to do an entire hundred thousand words in four weeks. Yeah. It's uh, doable, uh, but it's hard. And yeah. it, it just, it wears on you. Oh yeah, no, it definitely does. I'll, I'll say the the first novel I completed, I wrote in two months. Uh, two years apart. <laughs> I wrote yeah. half of it in a month in a NaNoWriMo and then yeah. uh, <laughs> just let it just let it sit there. And then when NaNoWriMo rolled around the next year, I was working on other projects. And then the year after that, it was like NaNoWriMo was rolling around again. And by that point, I was kind of up and rolling as a as more of an author. And I was like, you know what? I should go back and finish that book. And mm-hmm. I wrote the other half of it <laughs> in another month. So um but burst writing is is a way to do it. I can definitely say if that works for you, go for it. Uh, uh, anyone who's listening, uh, but I I I can say in my case, I found it much more stressful writing that way than my current method, which is um, I I try to write at least five hundred words a day Monday through Friday. Like that's kind of my my method. Doesn't have to be anyone's method. It's just what works for me, and it, it's working all right. Yeah. And I think that that's a lot better way to do it. When I first started writing, I uh, basically I was in college and it was summer. I was a little bit bored. I wasn't working that day and went, I, you know, I've been making up stories for years. I think I'll write a book today. That's literally <laughs> how I started. So I just sat yeah. down and started writing like the latest story I had made up in my head. It ended up taking me about a year to write it. It was over. It was 350,000 words. I call it my drunken cat plot. It's all over the place. Uh, It's bad writing. It was pretty much me learning how to write while I did this. But I wrote practically every day, uh, weekends, whenever stuff would come to me. And since I was just something I was doing, there was no pressure to it. There was no timeline. So I was able to do it a little bit more, eh, a little bit here, a little bit there consistently. Uh, it wasn't until I got better at writing and actually had like solid plot lines in mind and was looking at possibly publishing. 
because I, th- those first two books I wrote, they're not publishable. Mm-hmm. I'm hoping to scrap them from parts still because I love <laughs> the characters, Yeah, but they're not good. Um, it's once I started actually writing to get stuff published for it to be an actual novel that somebody would want to buy and read. That's when I got a lot more stressed out about it because then it was real. Yeah. Oh, I feel that. <laughs> it's one thing to, uh, I started with short stories, you know, it's one thing to write short stories, uh, mostly just to get them on paper. And then eventually like, well, you know, uh, I'll, I'll submit this to some anthologies or something, and, you know, they take it or they don't. It's not that stressful because, you know, if it's an anthology getting advertised in a Facebook group, it's probably not going to sell a million copies, you know, <laughs> so mm-hmm. the, the stress isn't there. But then when you're, you know, and you're just going to be one name uh, among 20, but it's a totally different thing when it's your name on the cover and the stress that comes with that, you know, because every, every mistake rightly or wrongly is going to be put at your feet. Um, and, and, and by mistake, it may not be something that you define as a mistake. Uh, but the reviewer is like, Oh, well they did this wrong. Even if you didn't in their mind, you did it wrong. And they may, you know, they could leave a bad review and that that's very stressful. Yeah. Uh, so I'm a, most writers I have talked to started out writing short stories. I didn't. I started mm. out writing a book and it became long and convoluted and had a ton of mini plot lines that could be their own little <laughs> short stories. I started writing short stories after I wrote my first two books uh, because from what I knew of the market at the time, you were quote unquote supposed to write short stories and submit them to magazines or anthologies and get published that way before you tried to publish a novel. So I wrote short stories because of that. They were never something I was drawn to. It was more of a, oh, okay, I'll, I'll try this. And I've got some perfectly good short stories, but that's not my natural state as a writer. Yeah. My natural state is, no, this is going to be a full-on book. 100,000 yeah. words or around there. It is a book. Yeah. Uh, and I'll say for folks uh, listening, um, if you're writing short stories, understand you will not make any money. There's no money to be mm-hmm. made in short stories. Um, but uh, that can really help you get an agent for your books. Um, if you can, they they don't care. Your typical agent is not going to care if you self-published something because they know that fundamentally anyone could just throw something up and say that they've been published. But if you can show them that, hey, this stranger that I don't know uh, read words that I wrote and found them worthy of publishing, that can help you out. It, and it, it shows them that you know how the system works, how to work with editors, things like that. So it can be very beneficial if you are trying to get an agent for your novel. Um, so something to consider. Uh, so what... If, you know, someone is listening to this right now that they're, they're kind of on the fence, they, you know, they've been trying to get that novel done. They're just really struggling with it. What is a piece of advice that you'd like to give them? The number one piece of advice is, is sit your butt down. Uh, A very, very big part of writing is really just sitting still, put your fingers on the keyboard and just let something come. Uh, One reason I love NaNoWriMo is because they have like that whole online support to help you get writing mm-hmm. and they have word wars. I'm yeah. extremely competitive, big surprise <laughs> lawyer. 
word wars, it, it doesn't matter if my brain doesn't want to work. If I'm in a word war where it's like whoever writes the most words in 15 minutes wins, you mm -hmm. don't actually win anything. It's just you win the round. Yeah. Uh, I'm much more likely to get words on paper. So that's the big thing that I would tell anybody who's, and you hear this a lot as an author. Oh, I want to write a book. I have this idea. And it's like, great, go write it. Yeah. And people are, oh, but, but, but nope, you just said you have this idea. Do you know how to type? Yep. Thought so. Yeah. Go write it. Yeah. Think about it. And, do, and just put something on paper. You can always fix it later. It can suck. My first book sucked. That was me learning how to write. Embrace the suck. That's yeah. my piece of advice number two is embrace the suck. Oh, yeah. Uh, and it's one of those deals. Uh, I just presented a panel at Alabama Comic Con. And on there while we were discussing, I, I made the point is like, uh, I'm a fat guy. And, um, you know, I want to lose weight. And at least once a month, I see some article that's like, oh, hey, here's the, the trick to losing weight. And I'll go read it. And, uh, you know, the spoiler is it's cut calories and exercise. Yep. There's really no, there's really no shortcut. It's you cut <laughs> calories and you exercise. That is how you lose weight. You either cut calories or you cut carbs. You're cutting something and you're exercising. That's how you lose weight. There's no magic bullet out there. Oh, uh, same okay. thing. So I will say this, um, a good way to cut calories without like make your, you know, starving yourself or fad diet. A good way yeah. is to stop drinking your calories. So yes. this, the cocktails, my issue is I like I like sweet. Uh, I'm, I'm trying to lose weight. I've always been a skinny person. The last two years I've put on weight and when you're short, it, it may not sound like a lot um, to somebody who's normal size, but when you're short, an yeah. extra 15 pounds looks like a lot more. That, that COVID-15. <laughs> uh-huh. I have a hard time uh, not drinking my calories because yeah. I want soda and I want that cocktail and I want the flavored moonshine. <laughs> damn it. Yeah. I love oh, yeah. flavored moonshine. Uh, sorry, random segue. This happens yeah. with my friends no. goes places. <laughs> if you're ever in Eastern Tennessee, anybody who's listening to this, uh, you probably have already heard of this place. It is called the Smoky Mountains. And there is Gatlinburg, Pigeon Forge, mm -hmm. and um, Sevierville. And they all have these amazing moonshine distilleries. And they all have a ton of different flavors that you get to go in and try. And then yeah. you get to take them home and do fun things with them. I like <laughs> to put them in jello shots. This is actually what I'm known for in like yeah. our small cons around here is I'm the jello shots person because I'll have like cotton candy moonshine with strawberry jello as a jello shot. Yeah. I do sour raspberry moonshine with the blue raspberry jello as a jello shot. And that's like my marketing thing, like for Liberty Con. I put my stickers with my with my logo and a QR code for my books on Amazon. I put those on top of the Jello shots and I put them in the con suite. Yeah, and I love like, it. There you go. It's and I do a bunch of different flavors because I and I can do that because there are so many flavors of moonshine. Yeah, well, and they're just so much fun to taste. It's funny you should mention that. Um, <laughs> I was at a uh, we had a, a book event uh here in montgomery uh where it was a bunch of uh uh romance authors primarily um uh, but a fair bit of uh paranormal romance urban fantasy things like that i'm actually uh wow. going to be I, i've networked with a few of them and you'll be hearing interviews with them in coming episodes um with some of the folks from there but uh there was a booth that was doing jello shots and yeah. uh and uh 
like you know me me and the the lady friend had a couple jello shots well we also had uh the the kiddo with us um we didn't quite realize how adult geared this event was going to be um but she had a blast she had an amazing time um did she have jello shots she did not no 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 she did not have jello shots but uh it was funny you know we we'd be we'd be walking down the line going booth to booth and you would see people like in the booth ahead of us, like kind of shifting stuff out of kid height, you know? Um, but, uh, (laughs) there was, there was another, uh, author that she had, uh, basically hunch punch, like red hunch punch in blood bags. And I know exactly what you're talking about. she, 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 She was, she was putting like this, this punch in, uh, blood bags. So you would walk around sipping because she, she sold vampire uh, flavored uh, books and uh, the kiddo just loved it, but she couldn't have it because it was alcoholic, but they were kind enough that they gave her an empty bag. Like, Oh, you like the bag? Well, here have one of these blood bags. So she's walking around with an empty blood bag and everyone is looking at us like we're monsters because we let (laughs) the kid pound one of these alcoholic blood bags. And we'd be like, no, 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 no. It was empty. (laughs) She didn't drink this. Please don't judge us. <laughs> oh my God. I may have to steal that idea because my, oh, I thought um, it was great. Yeah. My psychic series is a lot of vampire. It's vampire romance, psychic mystery, but obviously vampires. And I'm going oh, blood. Yeah. Bags. Yeah. No, it was, it was great. It was great. So, uh, so again, random <laughs> aside, this happens with my brain. When I was younger in law school, go home for 4th of July well, I, I was home for the summer, so we go to a 4th of July party. My brother is younger than me. I can't call him my little brother because he's 6'2 <laughs> and can pick me up with one arm. Um, <laughs> but he was 16 or 17 at the time. So everybody else at the party is older, you know, at least 21. Most of them early 20s. We're all hanging out, setting off fireworks, waiting for the main fireworks to go off. Uh, there were slices or watermelon chunks that had been soaked in vodka. And those are like one of the, you know, mm-hmm. party things that you could snack on that happened to be alcoholic. Yeah. None of us realized my little brother was getting into those and he <laughs> didn't know that they were alcoholic. He didn't know that that bite was alcohol. He yeah. just thought they tasted really good and interesting. So we had a stumbling around 16, 17 year old. Um, and we're just like, Andrew, what have you been eating? I, I ate that and I ate that. And then I ate the watermelon and we just went, shit, the watermelon. Yeah. So uh, bad influences all around over here. I <laughs> <laughs> love it. Love it. I had I had uh, a fair bit of uh, similar experiences over the over the years with that kind of uh, mayhem. Uh, all right. Uh, so I loved that. Uh, so I have a uh, my master's is in music industry. So I always uh, music is very important to me. And I saw that you love live music. You love karaoke, uh, things like that. So uh, I'm I'm excited to hear your answer on this. Uh, do you play music when you write? Absolutely. And right. I have different genres of music for the different series. Yeah. So for the uh, psychic series, I listen to like the poppy country stuff that I like. Taylor Swift, mm. Carrie Underwood, Kelsey Ballerini. Um, so those those guys. Yeah. For the Scorpion series, when I'm writing, <laughs> Scorpions is kind of split. Um, I tend to listen to more guy country. Mm-hmm. uh luke combs oh i'm drawing a blank on like all the the big guy country singers yeah. um but i'll listen to them when it's more of uh 
I don't want to say slower, but it's not a fight scene. Yeah. And then for fight scenes, I listened to the stuff that I listened to in like junior high and high school, which was more alternative rock. So like Jimmy yeah. World, Fallout Boy. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> and okay. I listened to those yeah. for fight scenes. Yeah, I like it. I like it. Uh, if you're uh, if you ever happen to see in the Nashville area, uh, the Goldilocks band, uh, that is the band I used to already for. They're kind of a. Uh, they're primarily booked. They have a full suite of originals, but they're primarily booked for covers and it's mostly, you know, uh, kind of like classic rock covers and um, some modern like rock covers of like modern uh, pop hits and things like that. So okay. something, to, something to keep an eye out for when you're wandering, uh, wandering Nashville. <laughs> Um, yeah, and just to make it clear to people, uh, I like to karaoke. Don't don't get me wrong. I love to karaoke. I love to sing. I am terrible at it. If you ever <laughs> meet me, you can ask me to sing. I don't recommend it. <laughs> nice, nice. So uh, every every episode, uh, I, I like to bring up the fact that uh, John Hartness is kind of a, a author hero of mine, and he talks about how no matter how quickly he writes, he cannot keep up with the pace that people read. So you can't write all the books for anyone ever to read so that we should, as authors, we should be supporting each other. So who is an author hero of yours and who is an author that you think we should be checking out that maybe we aren't? So an author hero of mine, and this is probably an answer you've heard a lot from urban fantasy authors is Jim Butcher, who writes the Dresden Files. You're actually the, you're actually the first person on this to say that. Oh, Oh, okay. So, He's so, a very big urban fantasy writer. Oh, you know, he is. And I, I love his character. Uh, I, he does uh, first person urban fantasy mysteries. His main character is a wizard. He's got a great snarky, mm-hmm. but very, very honorable, very valiant, self-deprecating personality. And it all comes out in his storytelling. Mm-hmm. because yeah. it's first person so the person talking to you obviously is the main character and i i love that i love how he captured this tone and has it throughout the books and of course i love the stories you know wizard yeah. epic battles magical bad guys but i'm i'm just like i want to be jim butcher when i grow up as an <laughs> author right no i'm i'm i'm, I'm he's uh uh, I haven't read, uh, I've only read a few of the Dresden, but I've read uh, Codex Lara and uh, the Steampunk uh, mm. book that I can never remember the name of, uh, Cinder Spires series. The, yes, uh, that one. And uh, yeah, he he's fantastic. Um, and just like a, just a good dude as well, like beyond being a writer, like seemingly, I mean, I don't know him, um, but everything I've read about him, he seems like just like a kind of a genuinely good dude. So. Yeah. And so authors... Like other people in my circles who are, I'd say, smaller time authors, indie mm-hmm. authors that a lot of people probably haven't heard of. It's going to, every lawyer's favorite answer. It depends. Yeah. Uh, it's going to depend on what kind of genre you like. So I have friends who write in urban fantasy, uh, sci-fi, more romance, military sci-fi. Mm-hmm. Some ones that I think you may not have heard of, or you probably have heard of this one is Sarah Hoyt. Mm-hmm. She writes across genre. She does sci-fi, uh, urban fantasy, cozy mysteries, all of that. Uh, very good writer. She's one of the bigger ones in our circles, though, so you probably mm-hmm. have heard of her. If you like 
sci-fi, especially military sci-fi, John Ringo. Most people yeah. have probably heard of him if they like yep. that. Uh, Larry Korea, again, one of the bigger ones. And so people along those lines, but are smaller names that I would say people should check out would be um, Peter Grant. He does sci-fi. Um, it's a little bit younger sci-fi. I think it's closer to YA, but it obviously can be read by adults. So he does that. He also does some military fiction. So yeah. that's one. Uh, his wife, Dorothy Grant, also does sci-fi. Hers is a little bit more girly and romantic. Uh, Cedar Sanderson does urban fantasy. Her series, uh, the Pixie Noir series, is mm -hmm. pretty good. Urban fantasy with like a noir feel. Yeah. Then... Like I'm trying to think of some of my well, other. There, there's actually uh, there's a author that I'm friends with who lives in uh, uh, Sevierville, however you say it. I always say it wrong. Uh, um, but he writes a uh, 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 urban fantasy noir series. Uh, his name's uh, Alex Nader, um, and he writes the Southern Demon Hunter uh, series, uh, the the Beasts of oh, Burden okay. books. So I don't think I've heard of him. I'll have to check him out. Yeah, no, he's he's great. Um, uh, I I met him in the same place I met you, which was the Fans of Urban Fantasy Facebook mm -hmm. group, which is a great, if you like Urban Fantasy, you should go join that because uh, it's a great group for that. Mm -hmm. So let's let's wrap up with where can we find you and where can we find your books? We're talking websites, social medias, all that kind of good stuff. Okay, so my books are on Amazon, obviously, because who isn't? Right. I am. Ex my books are mostly exclusive to Amazon, which means you can get them in Kindle Unlimited if you have mm -hmm. that subscription. Uh, my website is in the building stages. I'm basically switching from WordPress to my own platform, like actually bought the domain name website. Yeah. So I'm still working on it, but it's, um, you know, www.amygibbons.com. Mm -hmm. And it is in the middle of being designed. It is... Coming along slowly, let's just put it that way. Yeah. But that's, I once I have that set up, it's obviously going to have all my books. It'll have my blog on there. Mm -hmm. And it will also have an order form so people can order signed books directly from me if they want them signed yeah. and shipped to them. Uh, otherwise, most of, most of my sales are going to be at in-person at cons where I do sign books or through Amazon, either eBooks or paperback. And then my yeah. psychic series is also in hardback. Nice. So you guys can, um, you can find me there, Amy Gibbons. Uh, this is the, I don't want to say narcissist, but this is definitely the pride talking. Uh, I like having my name on books. I never wanted to do a pen name, yeah. even though I am a lawyer. So I do have to like make sure that there is a clear separation between my legal life and my author life because some author stuff could get me in trouble with the legal yeah, stuff, right? like with my bosses. <laughs> um, but I like having my name on it. I don't. Oh, 100%. That, <laughs> uh, I, I, I was on a, uh, on a panel on the go Indie now uh, platform and we were talking about uh, like author safety and um, you know, using pen names versus not using pen names. I don't, I don't use a pen name. Um, Cause I, I have too much ego. It's like, I, I, I <laughs> yeah. dang it. I want to read my name on the books. Uh, yeah. And so uh, it was, it was an interesting conversation, um, but it was one of those, I, I get people who use pen names, um, but I just couldn't, I just couldn't. Do it. <laughs> 
there's a, there's yeah. a good case to be made for using pen names. I just, my, my ego wouldn't let me. <laughs> that's, that's basically where I was because yeah. it's just like these, but these are my books and they should yeah. have my name on them. Exactly. Um, when I go to my, my high school reunion, I don't want to have to prove that I'm the pen name, you know? <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> I actually have not made it to a high school reunion. Um, the only one I made it to was the five year because that was right before I left for law school. Yeah. So like the 10 year, I kind of went, oh, I saw some stuff on Facebook and I was like, oh, I guess somebody had invited me to the Facebook group for this. I didn't even know what was happening. I'm probably never going to make it to a high school reunion. Yeah. I'm just not. Oh, uh, <laughs> mine was uh mine was absolutely miserable. Um oh. I was uh I was like the 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 smart kid in class. And oh, yeah, uh, right so, yeah. so when we, we all get back together for 10 years, like the class clown is now an assistant district attorney, you know, all these people are married kids, uh, careers, you know, good jobs, yada, yada, yada. And I'm like the divorcee, uh, <laughs> who's Aww. back, who's back working at Domino's in grad school. <laughs> so, um, I was like, damn it. Come, come the next one, I'm going to have accomplished something. I don't know what it's going to be, but it'll be something. You will so, be an author. Yeah, that is there what we you go. Accomplish. Exactly. But, I'm going to, I'm going to have a, I'm going to be pulling a trolley around behind me with all my books <laughs> saying, suck it, y'all. <laughs> yeah. So for me, it uh, like, there's so many TV shows and movies that are based in high school book series. And they have like, they have all these clicks and, there's drama going on and you have the smart kids and you have people who are picked on. That wasn't my high school experience. I went to a school where I think there were over 500 in my graduating class and this, the classes were just getting bigger. I can remember maybe five people from high school, maybe. And I didn't have a bad high school experience. I didn't have a good one. It was just, I went to class. I was the smart kid. Some people didn't want to get into base with me. Some people remember me because I was a loud mouth. I'm the tiny person that won't shut <laughs> up. Um, but I don't, I don't really have like any stories from high school. Nothing happened in high school. I went to college. I commuted every day, lived at home, you know, saved money. So I don't have a lot of big stuff going on there. Law school, on the other hand, <laughs> law school for me bore a very strong resemblance to all of these TV show uh, movie cliches about high school. Yeah, there were clicks. There was drama. There were people sleeping around. There were people throwing house parties and getting drunk. Like that never yeah. happened in my high school. Or <laughs> if it did, I didn't know those people. But yeah. law school, I I went back and watched some of this stuff, um, like Mean Girls, that yeah. bore no resemblance to my high school. And I'm like, wow, this kind of reminds me of my first year of law school. Now this is weird. <laughs> yeah. So I've got. Uh, stories from then but i don't yeah. have story like so i like to go my law school reunion means something to me so yeah. when i went to the five-year reunion for that because then obviously i'm surrounded by a bunch of other lawyers most of them are in bigger more impressive jobs than me i work for the government because i like the 40-hour work week so i can actually write preach. preach yes um so i like compared to them i'm not doing too great if I compare myself to them, because they're all big, impressive lawyers, some of them are partners in law firms by now. Some of them started their own law firms. Some of them are um, like ADAs. And I'm over here like, yeah, I just kind of have this job in government. I do my thing and then I write. Yeah. 
But that's the thing. The, the thing I try to really impart on here whenever it comes up is uh, you have to define success for yourself. You know, yes. like I, for me, um, spoiler, I didn't get into writing for the money. <laughs> um, I got into writing because I mean, really the dream is to write that cult hit that I can go to conventions for the rest of my life, uh, you know, coast on that. But, uh, oh. but really like, these are stories that I want to write. Um, so I'm going to write them. And I hope to one day be, you know, kind of somewhat known that, hey, I crop up when people are like, oh, I'm looking for book recommendations. Oh, well, you should check out this. Like that to me is success. You know, it, yeah. the, the writing uh, allow, allows me opportunities and freedoms, you know, this side money coming in. Um, it's not money I bank on. You know, it's not what I I don't include that in my budget. It all goes into its own uh, bank account. So I can use mm-hmm. it to hire editors or, oh, hey, you know what? Let's, I got some money sitting over here. Let's take a trip, you know? And that, that to me is uh, by my own definition, I'm, I'm mildly successful um, because it's, you know, it's giving me the, the opportunities that I'm, that I'm looking for and I'm, I'm happy with what I'm doing. Um, and so that's what you got to do as an author. You got to figure out what success looks like for you. If success for you looks like being the next Stephen King, I, hate to disappoint you, but that is not likely to happen. Um, so you just need to pick, pick some realistic goals. Like what, what is successful for you? Is it, I want to sell a thousand copies of this book. Go for it. That's an achievable metric of success. And I strongly encourage you to get out there and do it. So, okay. So I'm actually going to jump in here and I'm not taking the opposite view uh, because I am saying like you define success for yourself. I'm taking the more, I have very high standards for myself. So I'm often, this is not a good thing. I get depressed very <laughs> easily because I never meet my goals. I am the type of person where it's like, you want to set a high goal because even if you don't hit it, you're going to be higher up than you would have been because you'll go over what a lower goal would be. You do need to define success for yourself, but I would say, a big thing, especially in being a writer, is you you write because you're passionate about it. You write because that's your art. And then you put it out there, you market, you try to get into the hands of people who want it. I think success can be judged not just on how well the books do, like how much money you make from them, but also by how much work. Successful, if I get 100 books written, I'm a successful author in my mind. Oh yeah. I did not make a ton of money from it. And trust me, that's driving me nuts right now because I'm trying to figure out how to market the Scorpion series. And I'm doing a very poor job of it because it's so different from my main series that my usual fans don't read it. Yeah. And so I'm trying to find those readers. So I'm really not happy about that now. Like last night was bad. I was severely depressed. But if you keep writing and you keep putting stuff out there. Even if you never become a big name, you're going to have enough books out there that they're going to be bringing in income. People are going to find you and read your backlist. But you're successful because you never gave up on what you were doing. You never gave up on what you love to do. You made up these worlds and you just kept pumping them out because that's part of who you are. That is successful to me. It's definitely... um you see, you know, these one-off success stories of, oh, this person wrote a book and now they're a millionaire. That yeah, the likelihood no. of that happening is virtually non-existent. But, and I feel like a lot of people get into it and they get frustrated. Like, oh, I put this book out, you know, I, I didn't sell, you know, 90,000 copies. So, you know what? I'm not going to, you know, I'm done. You know, this is a waste of my time. Um, 
you got to build, you know, uh, when I, when I talk to people, like when I'm like mentoring or whatnot, and I, like, I like to break down the numbers, like, this is what I do. And they look at all the things I do. They're like, how do you like, how do you do all these things? How do you podcast? How do you have a line of shirts? How do you, you know, you have all these books, you know, you've made short films. Like, how do you do all this? Like, well, cause I didn't, I didn't do that all yesterday. You know, yeah. I've been working at this for 10 years and it looks like a lot now, but it was all incremental. You know, it was, Hey, you know, let's start it's all started with getting a short story published. And then, you know, from that, it's like, let's get another one and just building, you know, this is going to take time. You're not going to be a success within a year uh, unless you're very, very, very lucky. Um, You're going to have to start building, building your empire now. And uh, the best time would have been five years ago is when you should have started building your empire, you know, Um, start building that email list yesterday, you know, things like that. Like that's my biggest regret. I wish that, uh, the fact that I didn't have an email list 10 years ago uh, kills me every day. I wake up kicking myself for that. Um, and so you just got to, you just got to start now and understand that it's going to be incremental, but you'll get there if you just stick with it. Yeah. Um, so this ties back to one of my big pieces of advice. This is the best advice anybody ever gave me. This was actually from Dorothy Grant, uh, whom I've mentioned before before when I was looking into going into indie publishing back in 2015. This is when I had, you know, a few books written, I had some short stories and was like, okay, well, do I try to find main publishing or do I go indie? Cause I know a lot of people now who are indie yeah. and can give me advice. The, so I had a ton of advice coming in. I had a lot of support, which I really appreciate. Y'all know who you are. Uh, the best piece of advice I ever got was from Doc embrace the suck. That's where I got it from. You are not going to be good at anything when you first start. So you suck when you first started writing. Now you've gotten better. This stuff is actually good and you can get it out there, but it's still going to suck because it's going to take people time to find you. And you're going to have to just keep putting out books because every new book that you put out is a chance for somebody to find you, find the rest of the series, find your backlist. And you just keep doing that. And you accept that it's going to suck. Yeah embrace the suck because if you don't you will give up yeah oh 100 i weirdly uh my girlfriend loves rupaul's drag race absolutely loves it and so okay. because she loves it uh i end up watching a surprising amount of rupaul's drag race um and uh last night uh evie oddly one of the contestants uh gave, basically gave a speech about like just fail you know like mm-hmm. failure is where you is where you're going to learn the most. Like, don't be afraid to fail, you know, just get out there. It, even if you fail, at least, you know, you tried and you learned something. So when you try to do it the next time, you're more likely to be successful. And Just don't, don't be afraid to fail. Embrace the suck, you know? Yep. So, um, and, and now we've, now my life has come full circle. I've <laughs> mentioned RuPaul's drag race on the podcast. <laughs> there you go. Uh, so, well, all right. Uh, Amy, this was fantastic. Uh, great interview. Um, the plan is, I tell everyone the plan is uh, probably sometime next year, uh, we'll reach back out and do a, like a short little kind of check-in episode where we just touch base, see, see how you're doing, see how, what books you've had come out since the last time we talked. And I uh, uh, hope you'll be able to join us for that. Okay. And uh, well, uh, all right, guys, uh, till next time, uh, y'all be good now. <laughs> Or don't. 
for taking the time to check out another exciting episode of Southern Fried Fantasy. If you would, you know the drill. Give us a like, subscribe, follow, all that jazz. We'll appreciate you. Until next time, y'all. is part of the Tells by Bob network. To see all our great shows, go to tellsbybob.com.